Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Everybody standing for the reading of God's word. Awesome job. As the year 2019 draws to a close, I want to stand before you today and not just preach a word. I want to preach the word. I believe I'm about to give somebody the word that's going to help you close out this year in purpose and open up 2020 in victory. Do I have at least three or four people who's ready to be prepared for your next season? I tell you, I have been up so early every morning this week and God has just spoken to me before the sun came up. And it's just time to recalibrate our lives and get ready for what's next. Who wants to operate in the fullness that God has for you? We're taking our text today from Numbers chapter 31. We had an absolutely unbelievable first service. Are you ready for this? 28 people came to Jesus in first service. Numbers 31 verse 1. If you don't have it in your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. You by live stream, you honor us always by being with us. The Bible says in verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses. Anybody glad for a God that still speaks to you? Saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war, and let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Then Moses sent them to war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, which with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hands. Verse 8, watch this. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba. The five kings of Midian, Balaam, the son of Boar, they also killed with a sword. Israel is on the verge of stepping into their promise. But just before they walked into the full capacity of what God had for them, they had to experience warfare in the wilderness. Some of you have been in a wilderness place, but the Lord told me to drop this prophetic word in your heart. You're not only warring in the wilderness, in Jesus' name, you're about to be winning in the wilderness. Yeah. Who's ready to win in the wilderness? Slip up your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would send that kind of anointing that makes my words clear and concise. 
I pray that you would send an atmosphere here that makes it easy to preach and your people, your people will open their hearts wide to all that you have to say. Thank you, God, that you are moving greatly and mightily this day. We give you praise. Now, before you sit down, we're going to praise the Lord, but I also want to take a moment and welcome today Coach Howard, who is a long-term member of our church, and the basketball team from uh, Spruce Creek. Where are you at, fellas? Are you here? They're back there in the back, those good-looking men. Let's give those young men a God bless you. Come on, mothers and fathers. Let's let some young men know that we appreciate them. All right, now let's give that hand to Jesus if you're going to be a winner in the wilderness. You can be seated. I don't care how saved you are, how many old songs you know, or how closely you follow Jesus. Watch this now. Nobody escapes wilderness warfare. All of us have to go through seasons that can only be defined as wilderness seasons. And make no mistake about it, God intends for you not to just go through the wilderness and war in the wilderness. His plan is for you to win in the wilderness. Now, very often how long we spend in the wilderness is not actually up to God. God leaves it up to us. It's how quickly we learn the lessons we need to learn. You talk about the children of Israel. It was an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, but it took them 40 years to get there because God had to teach them what they needed to learn in the wilderness. How many of you can say, God, let me learn what you want me to learn and let me learn it quick? Come on, make a little noise if that's you. Now, I want you to comprehend something. God had a very clear and concise plan. He had an agenda for the nation of Israel. And part of that agenda was the fact that they needed to learn some things in their wilderness season. And I want you to comprehend this today and make no mistake about it. He has a very clear and concise plan for your life. God is serious about your destiny. I want you to put your hand on your chest and I want you to say that. Say, God is serious about my destiny, therefore it must come to pass. Come on, somebody give him praise if you want your destiny and the Lord to come to pass. Now, now, we must not be surprised when we have to endure wilderness seasons. I wish that we got a pass, that we didn't have to go through them, but sometimes we will have to be just like the children of Israel and endure wilderness times. And in these moments, we can see our wandering wilderness seasons as the enemies attack in our life. We'll see it so often as the enemy's attack and even God's delay. But in reality, God is not delaying you. He's preparing you. There are some things that you have not possessed yet because you haven't quite been ready. And you've had to maybe endure some no's. But what if all the no's you've been enduring in your wilderness warfare have actually just been preparing you for the right yes? 
Come on, somebody. You thought you were being rejected, but in reality, you were being prepared. Sometimes we go through seasons when we ask ourselves, Lord, we say it's bad enough that we're in the wilderness. Why do I got to fight on top of that? I'm not really where I want to be, and why am I fighting on top of that? And I believe that I'm about to give you a recipe for breakthrough. I believe I'm about to show you some things that are going to ensure that you're going to walk into a new season next year. That the things you've been through in 2019 may have been preparing you for what you're getting ready for in 2020. Now, if you're happy where you're at, you probably won't like this message. If you're cool as a cucumber, just right where you are, I may not be here for you today. But if you're ready to bust a move into a new season and let the devil know, I want to possess every promise that God has for my life, then I came on assignment for you. Am I going to talk to anybody today in church? Now, in this text, we see seven named sources of resistance that had to be dealt with before Israel could fully escape the wilderness and completely possess the promises that God had for their life. And I love it when I'm reading my Bible. And, and like I said, I was up most mornings before the sun was up and the Lord was speaking this word into my spirit. And he showed me, he said, son, you need to look behind the text because there's more going on here than you think. And God showed me these same seven named sources of resistance actually represented seven spirits that had to be overcome and had to be broken and had to be defeated in, in order for Israel to possess the land. And I believe I'm about to give you some information that will cause you maybe to blast apart some of the obstacles that the enemy wants to set in front of you that will forfeit your purpose in God. Now, the first thing that you read here are instructions from the Lord. In verse 31, the Lord says this, take revenge upon who? The Midianites. Now, some of you are probably saying, why in the world? Does Israel need to pick on those poor little Midianites? Why don't they just leave those Midianites alone? But there were really two reasons that God wanted revenge on the Midianites. Number one, because the children of Israel had been drawn in to the worship of Baal. They had drawn the children away from Je children of Israel away from Jehovah and into worshiping their false god. And secondly, the Midianites had actually allied with the Moabites and they wanted to destroy all of Israel and Israel had a destiny and a purpose that was so precious to God that God said you must deal with them because anybody who touches your purpose touches my plan and if they touch you they touch me and if they touch you they touch my agenda for your life that's why some folk better leave you alone can I get a witness in here the truth is, God was not playing with the purpose of Israel. This has come into fruition, and we understand that as the eons in time has unfolded before us. You see, God was not playing when it came to the purpose of Israel, and we must not play when it comes to our God-ordained purpose. We must contend with anything that would pull us away from God and sabotage our purpose in Him, whether it be relationships, whether it be 
practices, whether it be behaviors, hear me. If it will hinder us possessing God's promises for our lives, we got a war in the wilderness. If you want to win in the wilderness, you've got a war in the wilderness. You're going to have to fight when everything is not just as you wish that it was. Now, the first instruction was this. He said, take vengeance upon the Midianites. The word Midianite, if you define it, it actually means strife. If you go a little deeper, it means strife producer. A Midianite was a strife producer. The first thing I want to show you is this. In order for you to walk in your purpose and possess your promise, you're going to have to overcome strife in this season. Mm -hmm. Nothing will do you more harm and cause you more trouble than the Midianite spirit of strife. Some of you have been dealing with strife. Strife is defined as conflict anger, come on, drama, that manifests, manifests and magnifies in our life. Difficult situation, it brings complications to our relationships. Strife is the plan of the enemy to keep you locked out of God's best for you, to keep you away from God's promise in your life. The Midianites absolutely created non-stop strife for the children of of Israel. Isn't it true that there are some people and it seems like all they ever do is produce strife. All they ever do is produce drama. There are some people on assignment in your life and they are there for just one reason. They are there to create strife. Have you ever known folks that strife followed them everywhere they went? They had strife at work, they had strife at home, they had strife with their children, they had strife with their neighbors, they had strife with folk they sit by at church, they eat strife like I eat fried chicken, come on somebody, they love it, they are toxic, you say pastor who you talking about, I'm, some of them may be sitting right next to you but you don't want to stand up and point, come on, have you ever known people that they came into your life and all they did was produce drama are there some people at family reunion you know when you get there that you're gonna have to avoid them because all they've ever done is produce strife this is when you learn that you love everybody but you are not called to spend an exorbitant amount of time with everybody because there's some people that their only assignment is that they are placed in your life to keep you upset they are placed in your life to keep you uptight they are placed in your life to keep you aggravated that's when you have to say I love you but I can't go to Cracker Barrel with you because I can't take all the strife that you continuously produce in my life nobody's saying amen but I'm preaching today you got to guard your heart and not be influenced by the people that want to produce strife in your life because if you're not careful you will become what you open your heart up to you will become like the people you spend time with so here's what you have to do make sure you are affecting the people you spend time with rather than allowing them to infect you you got to affect those that you spend time with before you allow them to infect you. Some people ain't ever going to be peaceful. 
Some people are never going to find peace. They're going to have drama every time you see them. They're at war with everybody. They're upset with co-workers. They don't like the preacher. They're mad at this. They're upset at that. They're uptight with you. The truth is they have internal strife and they're upset with their self. And how in the world are you going to have peace on the outside when you got all hell breaking loose on the inside? There are some people, they produce nothing but drama and strife. It follows them in every relationship. And strife will trap you in the wilderness. You win in the wilderness when you overcome strife. Raise your hand. I release you from the spirit of strife. I break it off of you in the name of Jesus. See, the Bible goes even further because in Romans 16, 17, it says, mark those who cause divisions and offense. The word mark there is the word scope. It's where we get our English word scope. It means to, it means to eye those jokers out. It means to identify them. It means to scope them out. And there are some people that you're going to have to be kind to because you have to love them in the name of Jesus but you don't have to hang out with them seven days a week 365 days a year I'm declaring in the mighty name of the Lord that it is time for you to scope those jokers out and say in the name of Jesus I'm not going to be captured by your drama and your strife. You say, well, pastor, what in the world do I do if I'm married to them? What do I, come on now, now it just got real. What do I do if it's my daughter? What do I do if it's my son? What do I do if it's my husband? He's a deacon and he acts crazy. She's a usher and she's full of so much drama. I just hit a nerve there. Come on, somebody. What do I do when they got my last name. Well, since you can't kill them, come on somebody, since you would go to prison or get on death row if you kill them, you might just better have said, that might better say, Lord, make my heart so full of peace that my peace overcomes their drama and their strife. If you want to slay the spirit of strife in your life, somebody give God a praise right now. He talked about in totality a nation that created strife and drama, but then there was the kings that he began to call out. And the first king was the king called Evi. And Evi means my desire. Now it's about to get intense in here because see, we've got to overcome our own desires that put us in contradiction with God's plan for our lives. So number two, in order for you to fully possess the promise of God for your life, you you must overcome any desire that puts you in contradiction to his plan. And almost nothing, and I mean nothing, is more dangerous to your purpose than will sabotage your destiny and your ability to possess the promises of God any more than being controlled, dominated, and ruled by your own desires. Dangerous desires will absolutely rob you of your potential. It'll keep you in a season that God wants to bring you out of. Dangerous desires will sabotage your purpose. Dangerous desires will pull you out of the plan of God. Dangerous desires will make you somebody's daddy or somebody's mama before it's your time to be that. Dangerous desires will get you in the back seat when you need to stay in the front seat. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. 
dangerous desires will get your legs in the air when they ought to stay on the floor. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Come on. Dangerous desires will pull you into a season that you ain't got no business being in. Dangerous desires will delay your destiny. Dangerous desires will you'll sabotage a holy call for a booty call. Can I get y'all ain't, I'm going to go ahead and preach. Dangerous desires will jack you up. Dangerous desires will get you in a season that God doesn't intend for you to be in. This generation, this generation knows little about telling itself no. We have told this generation that whatever they desire, they ought to be able to do it. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about it. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter that it will sabotage our purpose. It doesn't matter that it is sin. No, we've told this generation, if you want it, that's cool. But the devil is a liar. There is still a sacrificing of self. There's still has to come a place where you say, God, whatever you want for my life, that is what I want. Let me tell you something, young man. Let me tell you something, young lady. God does not want to hold anything from you that is good for you. God's not trying to deny you a good time. God is trying to show you that his way is the best way. And if you'll do it his way, great things will happen. Now, just last week, I spent time with about 41 of our Calvary family in Israel. We went to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you define, transliterate the word Gethsemane, it, it, it actually means the place of the oil press, the place of the olive press. This is the place where Jesus knelt and prayed while his disciples slept. It's where he prayed until his sweat became as drops of blood. He's there in that garden, and we were right there, believing that, 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 that historians tell us that we were right where Jesus would have prayed. These olive trees, some of them lived to be as old as 3,000 years old. Some of those olive trees may have very well witnessed our Savior kneeling and praying in that garden. He's at the place of the oil press, and he is under pressure. See, there's those olives never give forth their best until they get under pressure. They are pressed and they are crushed and it's then that they release their oil and Jesus is there in that garden y'all he is under pressure he is under so much pressure until Luke the physician says that he sweated this is an actual physical documented disorder that Jesus had he sweated until his sweat became as drops of blood make no mistake about it he sweated he looked for his disciples to bear with him and stand with him he went to them twice and, and they were sleeping but by the third time he made up his mind and he said sleep on. See sometimes you got to make up your mind whether your friends are going to do it or not and you got to say sleep on. God's got a plan for my life. Jesus is there. He's under pressure. Can you imagine? He knows what he's about to face. He's about to be marred and mangled and lacerated. He's about to be humiliated. He's about to hang naked before his very own mother on the cross. He's about to be beaten to a bloody pulp. He's about to have his hair pulled out of his head. He's about to have a crown of thorns thrust in his, in his head. He's about, he's about to hang naked before his mother. 
He's about to, to wear the rubbery mucus from the throats of the people who wear him, who hate him on his body as he hangs on the cross. And he's there in that garden and his humanity is saying, I don't want to do this. His humanity is grating against it and said, I don't want to do this. This is not my desire. And then he says something very powerful. He said, if it be your will, he said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless. See, some of y'all think that Jesus won the battle for your soul on the cross, but in reality, he won it there at prayer. And when you win it in prayer, you win it everywhere. Come on. You don't win the battle when you get into it. You win the battle before you ever come to it if you know how to pray. And Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will. If you take the word will there and you define it, it means desire. He said, not my desire but yours be done he said not what I want but what do you want not my game plan but what what is your game plan not what I desire but what do you desire he said I'm gonna submit to your father you see the first place Jesus bled was in the garden and he bled to redeem the will of humanity we don't hear much about it nowadays but we need to get back on track and say that everything is not right and there are some things we do not do because it is the will of God that we walk in righteousness. We don't get to do it just because we want to do it. Jesus said, let me show them. Let me show humanity that they can go against the grain. That they can submit. We live in a time, help me Holy Ghost, where we don't tell people what's wrong and right much anymore. We used to have preachers that would stand up and they would tell us the truth. But I'm not saying that we need preachers that will beat us over the head and not give us hope for redemption. But what we've got to do again is find some men and women that will stand up and say, you don't do everything you want to do just because you want to do it. Just sometimes you got to get this flesh and get this self submitted to the Lord and say, you know what, I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it because it is sin and it pushes me away from the plan of God for my life. Somebody give the Lord a praise if you hear what I'm saying. So number one, the spirit of strife had to be defeated. Number two, the, 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 the spirit of my desire and my way had to be defeated. But the third thing I want to show you was a king named Zer. And Zer means rock. It means stone. It represents the hard things. It represents the hard times, the hard decisions, and the hard places. And here's what you must understand, young person. You got to deal with the hard things if you fully want to possess your promises from God. Life is not always easy. Sometimes you got to deal with hard stuff. Any grown-ups in the room, make a little noise if you've ever had to deal with hard stuff. Sometimes it's hard to discipline your children. Sometimes it's hard to deal with your past. Sometimes it's hard to break away from destructive relationships. Sometimes it's hard to confront hard situations. Sometimes it's hard to be disciplined financially. When you got that credit card in your pocket and you know I can put it on my credit card, but you don't need to pay 22% interest compounded. Come on. Sometimes it's hard to work with difficult people. Sometimes it's hard not to just go off on crazy folks and slap them into next Sunday. Can I get real? 
I mean, we all saved, but have you ever had somebody get on your last nerve and you feel like saying, I'm going to hit you so hard when you wake up, your clothes will be in style. Can I get a witness in here? It's hard to deal with people who are obstinate. It's hard to deal with your children when they're rebellious. It's hard to study. Come on, young person, but you got to study. You still got to say, well, not me, Pastor Rayleigh. I trust the Lord. No, you're going to make an F. I don't care who you are. You can trust the Lord all day long, but if you don't get that book out, college students, you're going to fail because you see, you got to study. You don't get a free grade. You don't get a, you got to pass to pass. Come on, somebody. No, I'm not me, Pastor Rayleigh. I'm going to stand outside the room. I'm going to put the book over my head and I'm going to she ba ba show ba da ba and I'm going to have it. No, no, no. You, God expects you to do the hard things sometimes. It's hard to change your attitude. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to first persevere. It's hard to have faith sometimes. But there's once in a while in your life, in order to know breakthrough, you got to do the hard things. Tell your neighbor, you got to do the hard things. I've come to tell you what life has taught me now that I'm 50 years old. Life has taught me that sometimes it ain't easy. Life has taught me that sometimes you got to praise him when you don't feel it. You got to worship him when it's hard. You got to come to church when you don't even feel like coming to church. You got to tithe when you got bills due. You got to tell your children you love them even when they own your very last nerve and you feel like going in and redecorating their room with your belt. Can I get a witness in this house? There are times when you got to do the hard things but let me tell you when you learn to do the hard things that's when you can see God's power open up in your life and bring breakthrough if you constantly and continually do the easy things life gets harder but if you consistently contend with the hard things life gets easier now watch this psalms 34 17 the righteous cry out and the lord hears and delivers them out of all how many how many all their troubles i want to tell you something god will give you power and strength to deal with the hard things i declare that in the next season god is about to show somebody in this room how big he is because you're going to rise to contend with the hard things and you're going to find out what you couldn't do by yourself you can do all things through christ who gives you the strength god is about to show up and show out and open doors you can't open and move situations that you can't move. I need somebody right now, instead of just looking at me, go ahead and bring him a mountain moving, rock demolishing, real deal praise and say, God, I believe that if I will be faithful, you'll deal with the hard things. I hear the Lord say, is there anything? Is there anything? Is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? He'll save that hard son. He'll deliver that hard daughter. He'll make that hard season an absolute testimony of his goodness. Somebody give him praise if you're ready to see him deal with the hard things. The next king that had to be contended with was the king called Rechem. Rechem, if you define the word Rechem, it means to mix, it means to blend. And when you mix something, you dilute it. And when you dilute it, it becomes less potent. It becomes less powerful. Now watch this. Don't allow yourself or God's promise in your life to be mixed, diluted, or lessened in any way. 
if you want to fully possess his promises, you can't allow yourself to be mixed or deluded. Now, there are a couple of ways to understand this. Firstly, one of the greatest issues now that, that you need to comprehend is that the Midianites and their kings had set an agenda to draw the children of Israel away from the worship of Jehovah. And they actually did that for a season. The, the children of Israel worshiped Baal. So, so he, he, the, these kings desired to dumb down, to separate, to alienate the people of God from Jehovah. And the, the same agenda that the devil had with the children of Israel, he has it today against the church. He wants to dumb down the church. He wants to dumb down our radical message of redemption. He doesn't want us to talk about the fact that Jesus is the way to be born again. Okay, I got 12 of you hearing me. I said Jesus is the way that we are born again. Hell's agenda today is the same as it was all the way back in the time of Moses. He wants us to mix our gospel message. He wants us to water down our gospel message with things like secular humanism. Let's, let, let's understand something. What is secular humanism? It, it means this. We are capable of being moral without God. We are sufficient without God. We can be good without God but I'm telling you without the Lord without let me tell you when the rapture takes place and the church is drawn out of the world let me tell you chaos is going to take place and that's why there's going to be such tribulation on planet earth there's something called omniism omniism means that all religion is good it doesn't matter how you get to God anyway will get you to God that that leads us right to universalism and universalism says there's no clear path to God anyway will do. That leads us to ecumenicalism. Ecumenicalism says all truth is relevant truth. And see, folks get mad at us because we claim exclusivity in Christ. We claim that Jesus, we claim what Jesus said. Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to preach whether you amen or not. I'm going to go ahead and tell the truth whether you amen me or not. The, the reality is, ain't it something that Muslims declare exclusivity, but nobody dogs them out. Or the Hindus declare exclusivity, but in America, nobody will say a word about that. The Jehovah Witnesses claim exclusivity, but nobody says anything about that. What in the world has happened now is because we actually know the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a truth, and he didn't say, I am a life. He said, I I am the way. Way in the Greek means the road, the route, the mode, and the means. Jesus said if you're going to get to God, the only way that you can get to God is through me. Now understand this. Our message is exclusive, but our gospel is inclusive. What does that mean? That means we know you can only be saved by the name of Jesus Christ, but we also preach a message that says, whosoever will, let him come. We are not jihadists. We're not declaring war on the world and then fighting and trying to kill people who don't follow Jesus. But Jesus didn't come for that. He said, I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So what we do, we love people who don't follow him. We don't alienate ourselves from them, but one thing we don't do, we never let anybody talk us out of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth. 
and the life. We don't mix our message. We don't dilute it. We don't make it less. Somebody who believes Jesus is the way, give him a praise right now. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad I know the way. I would have got lost a long time ago, but I knew the way. I wouldn't have made it through that time when I failed, but I knew the way. I was able to get back up again because I knew the way. I was able to get off drugs because I met the way. I met the way out of addiction. I met the way out of depression. I met the way out of doubt. I met the way out of fear. I need somebody who knows that Jesus is the way. Give him a second service shout. Young preacher, don't you dilute your message to be cool. Come on now. Pastors, let's not dilute our message. Our message must stay unmixed, unmingled, pure and sanctified. But I want to take this revelation full circle. Watch this. We all need to comprehend this because it's that way in the church, but it's also that way for you. Somebody say for me. Watch this, if mixing and watering down yourself, your goals, your calling, your potential is the price for any relationship in your life, that is not a relationship God intends for you to have. Don't make me take my shoe off and throw it. I said, don't you dare, I'll take my shoe off, throw it and hit you in the head and have a healing service. Because there's some people, the admission price to their lives is that you have to become less. The admission price to their lives is they don't want you more educated than them. They don't want you no more successful than them. They don't want you more passionate than them. They can't handle your rising. They want you to stay down. And as long as you're down, you can hang out with them. But never be less for people who cannot take the person that God has called you to be. I said, never be less for people who can't take the person that God has called you to be. I break that spirit off of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. That spirit that has contained you, that spirit that has constricted you, that spirit that has kept you down because people around you said it's time to stay down. I came to tell you, God is on your side and if God is for you, it's time to bust a move. One, two, three, give God a praise. Come on, somebody. Get ready for God to surround your life with people who, who can handle the genuine you, <sighs> who can handle the unmixed you, who can handle the unfiltered you. I used to want to go preach in places, and, and the Lord wouldn't open doors for me because I was too radical because I was too loud, because I was too Pentecostal. Come on, somebody. But now I look, man, and those same guys that didn't have room for me now, then are calling me now. You know why? Because they're looking at something that has stood the test of time, that there is a power, there is an anointing, there is a Holy Ghost, there is a supernatural. I would, I would rather be hated for who I am than love for being a fake. Come on, somebody. 
Pastor Josh was describing something to me the other, a person to me that we work with, and he said he's so-and-so 2.0. I didn't even know what that meant, 2.0. What does that mean? Joshua, after you left, I Googled it just so I could find out what it, I was trying to be cool. You know, I'm 50 years old, but I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be like the guys in their 30s, so I didn't want to say, hey, what's that mean? Duh. You know, I didn't want to do that. But he, you walked out, so I Googled it. I said, what does 2.0 mean? 2.0 means the advance. Come on. It means top quality. It means unfiltered. It means it means the next and best. It is a better version of you. And there's some people who want to keep you at 1.0. But you about to bust a move into 2.0. The top quality, the unfiltered, the unmixed giant killing you. I need somebody who says, Lord, put me in relationship with some people who want the 2.0 me. Give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I'm ready to be Jim Rayleigh 2.0. Come on. I just might make, I just might change all my social media. I'm at Pastor Ready now. I just might make it Jim Ready 2.0. Come on, somebody. Who wants to be 2.0? I want to be, I want to be all that in the next season and give God the glory. Somebody just stop a minute and give him a praise break if you're ready. Now, now check it out. I got to hurry. Now, her, what's the next king? Her means hole or cave. And if you trace the word her, it means to shrink back. It means a hole or a cave, but it means to shrink back into a cave because of fear, because of doubt, and because of shame. Now, watch this. Number five, don't allow the wilderness of fear, shame, or doubt to cause you to shrink back into a cave of defeat. Come on now. Somebody under the sound of my voice is coming out of the cave. Every devil-designed attack is going to be broken off of your life in the name of Jesus that has caused you to shrink back. You've been shrinking back because of fear, because of shame, or because of doubt. And God brought me here this morning to tell somebody, come out of the cave. Some of you are in it. Some of you have been living in it. Some of you get out for a minute, and then you go back in, and then you say, well, I'm going to get out. And then you come out, and you look outside, and you turn around and go back in, but I declare that in this next season, you coming out and you staying out. Fear is not supposed to keep you in the cave. Doubt or, or negativity or shame will not keep you in the cave. Hear me in this room. It's time to break all shame off your life as it relates to your past because God is not consulting your past in order to determine your future. God is not using what you've done to hinder what he's about to do. Ah. I, 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 listen, I, I'm preaching a little bit more rowdy in this second service than I did in first service because I feel like somebody needs to have shame broken out of your life. God is not going to let what you have done hinder him for what he's about to do. You see, Pastor, how do you know when your future is ready? You know your future is ready when your past starts calling. Preach, Pastor Rayleigh. 
you know your future is ready when your past starts calling, when the mess that you did tries to creep up and remind you that you are unworthy. That's when you shake it off and you say there is now, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I need somebody that's coming out of the cave. Give him a roar of praise right now. Okay, how about this? Maybe your deal ain't, ain't shame right now. Maybe it's doubt. Doubt pushing you in the cave. But I came to tell you it's time for doubt to be destroyed in your life. Doubt. You've been doubting yourself. Doubting your call. Doubting God. Doubting his plan. See, here's the deal. Write it down. Believe and you'll receive. Doubt and you'll do without. Come on, somebody. As we roll into 2020, here, here's what the Lord said. He said, speak over your people, speak over the church. The spirit of doubt has got to be broken. Huh? Here's what I want you to do. The only doubt I want you doing, I want you to doubt the devil. You want to mess the devil up, just start doubting him. Because the devil wants to instill doubt in you. So when the devil says you can't win, when the devil says you can't possess the promise, when the devil says you can't walk victoriously in, into 2020, you need to say, devil, I doubt that. You want to mess hell up when the devil tells you your children can't be saved, say, I doubt that. When the devil tells you you can't get a job, say, I doubt that. When the devil tells you you won't get a man or a woman or a marriage or a relationship, you say, I doubt that. When the devil says you can't have the house, say, I doubt that. When the devil says you can't have revival, say, I doubt that. When the devil says we can't see a move of God in 2020 like we've never seen at Calvary, say, I doubt that. When the devil said your children can't be baptized in the Holy Ghost, Say, devil, I doubt that. You know, one of the ways you let the devil know you doubt him is when you open your mouth and you begin to give God praise that said, I am confident in my God. One, two, three. Huh. I need somebody who's ready to doubt the devil. I want you to give God a crazy praise right now. I got to land this plane. So, so I'm coming out. The, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming out, huh? Come on, I'm coming out. Coming out of the cave of fear. Coming out of the cave of doubt, and coming out of the cave of shame. But here's what you got to do. You must every time the devil tries to place fear in you. You got to remind the devil he has no right to put fear in you. Because 2 Timothy 1 says God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not designed us to live in the cave. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So what do you have to do? You, the Bible said the worlds were framed by the words of God. So you frame your world with your words. Yeah. I want you to stop saying what the devil's been saying to you. And I want you to start rehearsing what the Lord has said about you. Hallelujah. Stay out of the cave of fear. Stay out of the cave of doubt. Stay out of the cave of shame. And begin to declare what the Lord says. You say, I am blessed. I am favored. I am anointed. I am qualified. I am healed. <laughs> 
I am attractive. I am skinny. Come on, somebody. I am good looking. I am whole. I am blessed going in. And I am blessed coming out. People like me. Relationships are opening for me. God's plan is manifesting in my life. Glory be to God. I'm successful. You want to hang out with me? Because God is on my side. If that's you, give the Lord praise. I'm Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say, give me a minute. This is my coming out of the cave praise. Somebody give him a praise like you coming out of the cave. Somebody give him a praise like you coming into victory. Somebody give him a praise like you stepping into a new season. Hallelujah. Sister girl said, I got to march on that one. How many of you are marching out of an old season and right into a new season? I'm coming out of the cave. Good Lord. Good Lord. Good Lord. I'm going to finish this thing, but God said, let you praise him. God said, let you praise him that you needed this revelation that the days in the cave are over. That the days in the cave are over. That the days in the cave are over. The last king, y'all sit down and I'm gonna try to land this thing. <laughs> but how many of you got, got time for me to finish these two last ones? If you don't now, if you get up and leave, everybody's gonna watch you. And they'll say, you know, he's not spiritual at all. He must have strife in his life, come on. Huh. Reba, King Reba, come on, Reba. If you, if you define the word Reba, Reba means on every side. The front, the back, the left side, and the right side. Have you ever felt like mm, that your battle wouldn't just come one direction? Oh, don't make me come down there and start shouting myself down again. Is there anybody saved like I'm saved and it seems like you get a fight here? And you get a fight here, and then you get one here, and then you get one up there, and then they come down there, and then they come, uh, and you're like, poof, 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 poof. you just, every, come on, come on, it seems like you're fighting every direction. Here it is, for you to win in the wilderness, you must believe that God will bring you victory on, on every side. I'm not going to fight here and lose here. I'm not going to win my family and lose my finances. I'm not going to win my finances and lose my family. I'm not going to win my finances and lose my future. I'm not going to win my future and lose my purpose. I'm not going to lose my purpose and win my health. Baby, I'm not going to win my joy but then lose in my breakthrough. I'm not going to win in freedom but then lose with my children. I'm not going to win with destiny but then lose in ministry. But I have made up in my mind that I win here and I win here and I win here and I win here. I need you to high five three people and tell them I'm winning on every side. Somebody give God a praise. Stand to your feet and I'll preach this last point with you standing. But tell your neighbor you're going to win on every side. You're going to win on every side. 
if God is for you, you're going to win on every side. I don't know if homeboy believed you. I don't know if sister girl believed you. Find somebody else that might have a little more faith and say you are going to win on every side. And now I want you to give God a praise like you believe that victory is coming. John Rayleigh, we're going to win on every side. Somebody shout. Every side, every side, every campus. We're not going to win in Ormond and lose in Palm Coast. We're not going to win in Palm Coast and lose it in SB. But everywhere we put our feet, Josh, we're going to win on every side. Somebody who wants to be a part of a women church, give God a shout. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who delivered them from the hands of all, 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 all their enemies on every side. Come on and praise him. On every side. I ain't gonna quit till I went on every side. Well, Pastor Rayleigh, you're just preaching that hyper faith message. That's all hyper faith. Let me tell you, if I have something hyper, I sure want it to be my faith. Some of y'all got hyper doubt, hyper fear, hyper drama. You could lose, use a little hype of faith. Somebody said, he's a faith preacher, guilty. You kidding me? You call me a faith preacher? He's a holiness preacher. Well, when has holiness ever been a bad idea? He's a Pentecostal preacher. Well, thank God for it. I'll own all those titles. Now we, 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 must, we must land this plane. Because I'm hungry. See, some of y'all come to church and you can endure any message because you know sooner or later Pastor Jim's going to get hungry. Come on. It's amazing to me that the last one that he dealt with was not a king or a nation, but it was a prophet. But he was a false prophet. He only prophesied truth because God wouldn't allow him to prophesy what he wanted to prophesy. His name was Balaam. That's why you need to make sure that whoever is speaking over your life, if they give you a parking lot prophecy, you better make sure it comes from the Lord. There was this lady who was driving me crazy on my last nerve. Church folk. They, they go to first service. Come on. And this lady had been running her mouth. And I'm, I'm like my dad. I'm pretty long-suffering. But somewhere in there, just like one little bit is my mom. 
and you don't want to find her because if you find her the story won't have a good ending can I get a witness because my mom will tell you about it this woman came up to me she'd been driving me crazy sending me crazy stuff she said I have a word for you I'm going to lay my hands and speak it over you can I I said no ma'am I said no -uh, no she said what I said no uh -uh. <laughs> no I, I, I'll pass Pastor Troy might want it but I, no not me you remember the story when they were going in the gate called Beautiful? And the disciples said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. Truth is, I didn't want her such. Can I get a witness? God speaks and said, Deal with this prophet. His name was Balaam. If you remember the story of Balaam, he was the one that the donkey actually gave a clue have you lost your mind in essence I'm, I'm 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 paraphrasing but this was a prophet who had been hired by Moab the king of Moab to speak curses against the children of Israel and could not even though he wanted to he was getting paid to do it and he tried to think about that but God wouldn't allow him to and the Lord just dropped a little revelation in my spirit and he told me to tell you get ready God is going to use people who don't even like you to bless you in the next. God's going to use people who don't even like you to help you get a promotion. God is going to use people who don't even like you to open the door for you. Not, there's going to be people who are trying to curse you and they're going to open your mouth, their mouth and talk good about you. But as I defined the name Balaam, it became so real to me Balaam's name means not of my people if you really understand it it means not for my people not only is he not of them he's not for them I declare that as we come to the end of this message culminating in the seven spirits that we will break off of your life for 2020 you will identify who and what is for you you will identify who and what is for you and what is, what is not for you. And you will rejoice because in 2020, you will win in the wilderness. If you thank God for clarity, I want you to give him praise right now. I prophesy that. I, I tell you, I, for some people I've just preached, but for others I have prophesied. I declare that you will no longer stress over closed doors and closed relationships. I declare that you will no, no longer cry over who doesn't text you back and who doesn't call you back. I declare that the spirit of wrong relationships are being broken off of your life. I, everybody can't receive it because some of y'all ain't going to hear it. Man. And I, that wasn't for everybody, don't get me wrong, but it was for somebody. If that was for you, raise up your hand. I declare that the spirit of wrong relationships are broken off of your life. Hallelujah. You're going to know what's for you. I declare that the spirit of wrong opportunities, you're going to have clarity about what, who is for you and what is for you. Uh, here's the deal. 2020, 2020, 2020. I've, I've already got a download of what 2020 is going to be for our church, for me, for my family, and for you as your shepherd. I'm, I'm changing, y'all. 
uh, God is doing something in me. It's the, 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 the time in Israel. and I, I'm going to be the new Jim Reilly 2.0. I'm coming back to loud, rowdy. Not that I ever left it. Sweaty. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.